0: Now then, for our first story on the Snap Judgment Campfire Tales episode, we take you to the borderlands. You see, Rocky Elmo nowadays is a retired Border Patrol agent, but back in the 90s, he was stationed just east of San Diego, right along the border fence in a place called Otai Mountain. Snap Judgment. When I first got to Otai Mountain, the place felt different from other places I had been. Because it's quite easy as a border patrol agent to feel like your top dog, but when I went up to Otai Mountain, it set in that there were predators there that could kill a human being nearly instantly. Mountain lions were the top dog up there. Under normal circumstances, a mountain lion attack against a human being would be extremely rare. But the cats that lived up on Otai Mountain lost their fear of man. There wasn't a lot of things up there for them to eat other than rabbits and, and just a very, very few deer. So people immediately went into the food chain and it was a pretty easy source for them. All they had to do was pick out a group, follow it, wait for somebody to get left behind and that guy was a goner. So. We found quite a few bodies, and we found them on a fairly regular basis. Now, as far as I know, none of these kills went onto the official California record. Uh, things that happen down on the border just have a tendency to stay on the border. About four years in, I had a trainee with me. We're working a midnight shift out at Otai Lakes. The sensor had went off, and we responded to it. Now, I had always carried a revolver previous to this night. But the Border Patrol changed its policy and decided that everyone would carry a semi-automatic handgun. It came with a holster, a different type holster than what I had ever used before, and it fit very, very close to the body. A few minutes went by... We started to hear very, very slight noise up on the hillside. I noticed my trainee was starting to get pretty excited about it. And then I realized that it was only an animal because it was much too quiet to be people. So I told him, said, it's probably a deer. Let it pass. Within probably five to 10 seconds after that, I heard the most terrifying noise I ever heard in my life. And it was a mountain lion screaming. I've always heard it described as the scream of a, of a woman being murdered, but I have never heard a human scream that could come anywhere near what a mountain lion scream is like. It's something that you just have to hear for yourself to truly understand. So when we, when we heard this, the scream, both of us turned around. I, I, I never moved so fast in my life and I caught a glimpse of this full-grown mountain lion charging us. I went for my gun, and I could not get the gun out. It was stuck, and I was ripping and tearing as hard as I could on that pistol, and at the same time saw the cat charging right at us. So I started yelling at the trainee to shoot him, but I didn't hear any gunfire. I don't know if the trainee could not get his gun out or if he was just petrified with fear. And at the very last second, the cat, he darted off to the side. And within a nanosecond, I lost sight of him, and then I heard him hit its true prey, which was the deer. And then the screaming started all over again, and it was worse than the first scream. It was a combination of the animal he had hit, and then the cat just tearing it to pieces. But as scary as mountain lions were, they weren't the only thing out there to be afraid of in early March 1995 I was still on the training unit we're heading out to Otai Lakes on a midnight shift heavy fog had rolled in and the area had also burned off recently in a wildfire so the ground and the trees were black with soot and then the fog was sweeping over that so we got turned around in the fog and got lost so we walked around in vain for several more minutes trying to find our trail. We couldn't do it, but there was a little tributary feeding the south end of Otai Lake. And as we were walking it, we heard a very loud single splash hit the water. And it sounded as if some exceptionally large object had fallen from the sky. So we knew it wasn't people running across the creek. It was something else. Now, we're always trying to stay quiet on night operations. So everyone looked at the training officer. The training officer just nodded his head toward the creek, and we all started heading that way without speaking a word. As we started to close in, I noticed the training officer drew his firearm. And I thought this was a little strange, but something had uh, set him off and put him on guard. And I suddenly started to get this sense of dread and doom and intense sadness sweep over me. It was as if something was projecting its emotion onto me. I was starting to mess with with my mindset and my feelings. And I knew we were about to see something horrible, and I started trying to mentally prepare myself for that. But after getting up to the creek and noticing there were four or five coyotes Prancing up and down very anxiously along the water's edge. We couldn't see anything, but I could hear something over in that water as if a person was shuffling their feet very quietly, going up what little current was there. So at that point, everyone had their guns drawn. The coyotes were staring straight into the middle of the creek, exactly where we were looking, and didn't seem to. bothered one bit that we walked up to them and it was obvious that they were scared i was literally standing no more than 18 inches away to a coyote on my right side and i paid no attention to him and he paid no attention to me we started trying to turn our flashlights on and follow this sound upstream but the fog blinded us shining the lights back in our own eyes and there were no footprints to be found The only prints there were tracks for the coyotes and tracks for our own boots. And that was it, nothing else. The coyotes, their tails were tucked and their ears were lowered, and they left. They got out of there. We eventually just gave up, but we knew whatever that was in the water would eventually walk out in front of the scope that the supervisor set up on the mountain in order to work the mesa below because these scopes picked up on heat. An animal would put off a certain shape and amount of heat. Rocks put off heat. Anything that collected heat through the day would give that heat up through the night. For instance, a a person walking, say, a mile or two miles away, they didn't really look like a person at that distance. They looked kind of like an upright coffin. So you had to judge what was giving the heat up and Jeb was probably the best scope operator in the Border Patrol. So he would be able to see it and and call out whatever was over in that water. And about 20 minutes later, we started to hear bits and pieces of a radio transmission because a couple of agents got in the area and suddenly Jeb called them off. Now the agents were a little reluctant to leave because they wanted to finish what they started and they didn't really understand why they were being called off. It didn't make any sense to them. But Jeb told them again and emphasized a little more strongly that they needed to get in their vehicles and leave the area. He said, there is a very large predator following the two of you. Now, these guys were totally unaware of it. They couldn't see anything. Nevertheless, they did what Jeb told them to, because you didn't question his orders, you just did it. So that was the talk of the station for the next few days and people were kind of throwing ideals around as to what they thought it might be and of course everyone thought probably it was a mountain lion because we spoke informally with the Bureau of Land Management and they said that one of these cats was about 200 pounds. But time went by, Jeb got a new job back east somewhere and before he left he told a story to a few of the agents that he knew well. And what Jeb told was that, on the night in question, of the mountain lion following the two agents, that it was not a mountain lion at all. What he actually saw was some creature come up out of the Otai River, and it walked upright like a man. He said, but had the largest heat signature Jeb had ever seen on the night vision scope. The creature was right behind them and it dwarfed them both, estimated it probably 10 feet. I heard one guy say maybe 12 feet. This was very much like what happened to us at the creek in that it was invisible to their naked eye. It was only visible to the scope. I never brought the subject up for quite a while after that. I never talked to Jeb. I was a trainee trainees did not go up and talk to supervisors, and I never dared question what he saw that night. As time went on over the next few years, I began to hear several more stories. These stories involved both agents and people crossing illegally. In every sighting, this beast would chase either the people or would chase the agents and could have easily caught them, but never did. It's like he chased them to scare them off and then gave up the chase. And there would be no no sign found, no footprints, no sign of the creature whatsoever. I didn't have any real clues or any real idea of what, what all this meant. But one night while I was working the mountain on a swing shift, I run into some BLM personnel. And these were environmentalist types. They weren't law enforcement. There was about 10 of them up there, maybe more, and they were hanging out uh, at Buttewick Canyon, and that was one of our more remote, treacherous areas. I was kind of wondering what had brought them up there, so I pulled up, started talking to them, asked them what they were doing, and they said they'd come up to look for bear scat, which I thought was a little unusual because I didn't think there was any bears anywhere near Otai Mountain, we'd never found tracks for one, no scat for one, nobody had ever reported a sighting. So toward the end, I said, uh, well, what do you think about some kind of a Sasquatch creature being up here? And then I kind of chuckled after that because I didn't want them to think I was a crazy person. And uh, none of them laughed or chuckled. And one of them started to talk about the subject, said, we think there's possibly three of them up here that we think's a family unit two adults and a juvenile. So then I kind of thought, "Well, you know, they might be setting me up. They're going to they're all going to break out laughing in a minute and say they were just kidding, not, you know, not really. We don't believe in that." But they never did. So, what is the real truth? What really is out there? Big thanks to Rocky. That original music by Snap Judgment, music maestros, Pat Masidi miller Renzo Gorio, and Leon Morimoto. For more stories of what's happening on the border, check out Rocky's book, Out on Foot, Nightly Patrols and Ghostly Tales at a U.S. Border Patrol Agent. we we'll have links to the world of Rocky on our website, snapjudgment.org.